We're for sharing innovative treatments and preventing disease before it ever develops. Learn how our team is working to better care for you on this edition of UVA Health System Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. This is Bill Klaproth in for Melanie Cole. Breathing in certain substances often causes hypersensitivity pneumonitis. What are the two types of hypersensitivity pneumonitis and what are the most common causes and treatments? Here with us today is Dr. Diana Gomez. She is a UVA specialist in pulmonology, a board-certified physician in internal medicine whose specialties include hypersensitivity, pneumonitis, and interstitial lung disease. Dr. Gomez, thank you so much for being on with us today. So let's start right here. What is hypersensitivity pneumonitis, or HP? Good afternoon. Uh, Well, hypersensitivity pneumonitis is a lung condition that is caused by inhalation of some type of allergen that is in the environment, uh, usually mold or any uh, bird antigen. And when I say that, I mean in the exposure to chicken or feathers could cause it. And uh, what you see in the lungs is some inflammation, sometimes it's a scar tissue. And the reason why it happens is because there is a very exaggerated response, immune response to these allergens that are in the environment. It can happen from exposures that you have at home or actually in your work environment. So when you say inhaled substances such as mold or uh, chicken feathers and things like that, I'm thinking of a guy on a construction site inhaling like sawdust or concrete dust or um, some type of insulation dust, does that, can somebody get hypersensitivity uh, pneumonitis from that too? Well, what usually happens, like the dust that you get exposed to, like in construction environment, causes a different type of condition, but uh, it's not hypersensitivity pneumonitis. That is called pneumoconiosis, which is completely different. Hypersensitivity pneumonitis happens when people are exposed to organic. Like okay, now I understand. Very good. Allergens. Okay, so, very good. I yeah. just wanted to kind of clarify that for people listening right now. So are there different levels of HP? Yes. Yeah, so the presentation, it, it's different. Uh, the big groups are acute presentation and chronic presentation. And the symptoms vary, like, accordingly. So let's say if a patient, when a patient has acute hypersensitivity pneumonitis, the most common symptoms are, happen four to six hours after the, after the exposure. Uh, and usually pe- people have fevers, flu-like symptoms. They feel tired, headaches, uh, chest tightness, cough, shortness of breath. Okay? And those last for a few hours until the exposure is resolved, okay, but it's kind of acute and improves in a few hours. The other type is called chronic HP or hyper, chronic hypersensitivity pneumonitis, and that happens to patients that are being exposed without them knowing that they have the exposure, and they don't have this acute presentation. They just start feeling short of breath and start coughing over time, and when we see them in clinic, they already have, like, scar tissue in the lungs. 
So they never had an acute presentation, or they maybe just felt it was a vital infection and they just disregarded it. And when they come to clinic, it's a little advanced, if you want to say it that way, that there is already scar tissue in the lungs. So someone with acute, is uh, the, uh, the symptoms come on hard and fast, do they go away then? Yes, they go away. They usually go away after they stopped exposure to the allergen. Mm-hmm. And someone with chronic, this is where they're constantly coughing, maybe having tightness of chest, uh, breathing issues, where they're constantly having it? Right. So they present with a more chronic picture, like happens over months, most, uh, most of the time. And what are the classic symptoms then? Is it mainly the coughing, uh, you know, the shortness of breath? Right. So... For the chronic one, yes, cough, shortness of breath. Some people have some unintentional weight loss, but yeah. But it's so how of, can okay? Sorry. So how can someone? That's all right, guys. We're gonna cut that right there. How can someone be diagnosed with HP? So unfortunately, we don't have a system that is kind of evidence-based yet because it's a, medic- it's a condition that we need to have many information we- before we come to the diagnosis. So basically, we need to get like a very good history from the patient. So we always ask them about exposures. And as I said, like mold exposure, and we usually see this like in people who have humidifiers, dehumidifiers at home, any water damage in their basements, uh, or they have they have they live on a farm and they have like moldy hay. So the, the history patients have to tell us about the exposure, right? The next step will be some blood work, and then when the patient is unaware of the exposure, then the blood work may tell us if they're being exposed to something that could cause this condition. The next step is a CAT scan of some type of chest imaging, and there are some changes. One of them is scar tissue, some inflammation in the lungs, and there are certain patterns that we see that make the diagnosis like higher on our list. And then after the CAT scan and all this blood work, then uh, we may consider something called bronchoscopy, and that's when we go inside the lungs with a camera and get some fluid washings and then some type of cells that we get from that from those washings will make the diagnosis again more possible. And sometimes I mean just with the exposure at the CAT scan and the bronchoscopy we can make the diagnosis. But if it's still unclear to us why the patient has this issue, we may need to get biopsies. And the way that we do them is during the same procedure, the bronchoscopy, when we do the washings, we will do some transbronchial biopsies, which uh, have actually have a high yield for to make the diagnosis. But if those are unrevealing, the next step will be a surgical lung biopsy. And, of course, we all, it's like patient-based. So we want to make sure that the patient's lung function is good enough for them to undergo that type of invasive procedures. But it's kind of, we need different information before we come up with the diagnosis. It's not like a straightforward diagnosis. Right. So if someone is diagnosed with HP then, 
it's really incumbent upon them to find out what in their environment is causing this, correct? That is correct. Actually, sometimes we, when we send the blood testing and it comes back positive for mole exposure or chicken exposure, so sometimes they have to like, have the, ha- the house inspected, like professionally inspected, because sometimes, I mean, they, they're unaware of the exposure. Right, so. and, then, and then you know. So if untreated, can this disease lead to something more serious? Right. So as I said, uh, the acute presentation, the patients usually do okay, meaning they stop the exposure, right, and then the disease improved. But people who present with a chronic HP, uh, they can progress to, like, respiratory failure, meaning they will need oxygen, they may retain carbon dioxide, so it's a little more serious once... Um, they, the the lungs scar down, and I mean, unfortunately, we don't really have medications to get rid of the scar, right? If there is inflammation, we can use medications to improve that inflammation. But once there is scar in the lung, then unfortunately, there is not much that we can do at that point. Right. So it's of- crucial to find out early what in the environment is causing the HP and get rid of it so you don't wind up in a situation where you do have scarring of the lungs. So then what treatment options are available to somebody with HP? So, uh, as you said, actually, uh, the main goal is to identify the allergen and avoid further exposure, okay? So if there are birds, uh, remove them. If the patient is being exposed at work, then they need to change jobs. Actually, some people actually had to change houses just because, I mean, they were exposed and they couldn't, like, remediate the molar. So it's that serious. Uh, if they fail to stop the allergen exposure, so that will, of course, increase the chance of progression and development of this irreversible lung damage. Right, they've got to uh, find it. They got to find it and right. get out of there. Right. And why should someone come to UVA pulmonary and respiratory for treatment? Well, I, one thing I wanted to add, though, in terms of yeah. management, the therapy. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Is uh, there is a medication that is called prednisone? Okay. That we normal sometimes we use, and it will help the inflammation to come down. It, what they what we see on the CAT scan is mostly inflammation. Okay, doesn't take care of the scar tissue, but it improves inflammation, and that may help the patient to feel a little better. Okay, there are other Absolutely. medications because it is like an inflammatory condition that you just want to fight the immune system, right? So if we weaken the immune system, then the infl- ongoing inflammation may be taken care of for the by this other medications. And what I mean by that, there is something called acetyoprine or mycophenolate that we usually try. And those take care of the inflammation so we don't have to use the prednisone in, in the long term. We don't think it's a good medication, just like chronically, because it has so many side effects. And those include like diabetes, high blood pressure, and other problems. Right, so it's good to know that there are ways that you can relieve uh, some of the symptoms that somebody with HP. So why should someone come to UVA pulmonary and respiratory for their treatment? Well, I think uh, 
the main reason why people should come to UVA is because uh, we have very experienced physicians that uh, we have seen many cases and then we know how to approach these uh, conditions and how to get the patient's work up and we have all the resources that the patient needs to come up with a diagnosis and then therapy for them. So it's a very experienced team and we'll do what's best for patients. That sounds great. Dr. Diana Gomez, thank you so much for being on with us today. We really appreciate it. For more information, please visit uvahealth.com. That's uvahealth.com. I'm Bill Klaproth, and for Melanie Cole, this is UVA Health Systems Radio. Thanks for listening.